Thank you for tuning in to this week's message as we start our new series, Relationship Status. This week, Trey is teaching on the gift of singleness. Being single doesn't have to be a struggle when we can begin to see it as a calling. We hope that you find encouragement in the message as we discover the truth that comes with the gift of a single lifestyle. Amen. If you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and flip them open to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians in chapter 7. Uh, we're going to start a new series over the next several weeks, and we're going to call it Relationship Status. Uh, so over those next few weeks, we're going to be talking about some topics pertaining to relationships. Dating, marriage, sex, all that good stuff. Uh, so I'm looking forward to what God has for us in the next few weeks. And I like to walk through a series like this every now and then because... I think it's important uh, that we know what God's Word has to say about these things. So many people have a distorted view of what marriage and dating and sex should look like because we're allowing the world to teach and to shape our view of what these things look like. But listen to me, the world should never be teaching and shaping the church. It should be the church always teaching and shaping the world around it. So our goal over the next few weeks is going to be to change whatever distorted view that we may have of these concepts and what the world claims they should be over to a clear view from God's Word of what these concepts were created to be. And what better way, what better day to start a discussion on these things than Valentine's Day. I'm a stats guy. I like stats. So I figured I would just ramble up some Valentine's Day stats for you guys just to feed some random knowledge for you tonight. On average, the amount of money that is spent on Valentine's Day is $13.2 billion. That's on average. 2016 actually set the record. $19.7 billion total dollars spent on Valentine's Day alone. That is a lot of cash being spent on one day out of the year. The average number of roses produced just on Valentine's Day. 198 million for one day. One day. Get this, 14% of women will send themselves flowers. <laughs> 50% of all marriage proposals happen on this day. Roughly 19 to 20% of people will actually buy a Valentine's Day present for their pet. So I don't know how you chose to spend your Valentine's Day uh, today, but one thing I do know is that the way in which you choose to spend your Valentine's Day typically depends on your status. And in this room, right now, we have three levels of relationship statuses represented. There are those who are married, where my married folks at, and there are those who are dating, and then there are those who are single. <laughs> and you don't have to make it any worse for them, you know. But there are those who are single, and that's the status that I want to kick this series off with tonight. I want to talk about single status. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul's been talking about you know, some principles for marriage. And then right in the middle of that talk, 
he says this, starting in verse 6. He says, now as a concession, not a command, I say this. I wish that all were as I myself am. But each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Over these next few weeks, uh, I just want to teach you guys a few things. I don't necessarily want to preach to you. So we're going to change it up. And I hope you find a relaxed atmosphere with this. That's why I brought the table out. Because I feel like podium says preach, but table says teach. So I just want to take these next few weeks and teach you guys about some relationship stuff, what, what limited knowledge that I do have. And tonight I want us to talk about the gift of singleness. I want to talk about the gift of singleness. So, you know, you singles, I've had it rough all day being Valentine's Day and all that stuff, Singles Awareness Day, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but tonight we're going to talk about the gift of singleness. Because whether you realize it or not, Scripture actually calls being single a gift. Unfortunately, unfortunately, being single is never really recognized in that way. Uh, the world treats it like it's some kind of disease. Uh, if you're single, it's because uh, obviously there's something wrong with the way you look. So your physical looks aren't good enough. And that's why you're single. There's got to be some reason for it, right? I mean, you just, you got to be ugly as sin to be single in this modern day, right? That's what the world will want to tell you. Or maybe if it's not your physical looks, maybe you got the physical looks going down, uh, but you're still single. So the world will tell you, well, maybe it's just your personality. I mean, maybe you are just a grade A whatever. And so it's your personality. I mean, if you got the looks, right? So everything's working in your favor, so it must be something more than that. It's got to be your personality, man. Somebody, they just can't stand to be in your presence for more than five minutes. Like, you know, guys, you see that cute girl, and you're like, shoot, yeah, I'm about to pursue that. And then you get up in there, and you sit down for lunch or whatever, and like five minutes in it, you're like, i got to get out of here, like, Good grief, and you girls the same way, right? You think you find a gentleman or something, and then he takes you out to lunch, and he never even opens the door for you or anything like that, and all he talks about is himself the whole time and how much he likes to work out. You're like, i got to get out of this mess. So maybe it's your personality is the reason why you're single. As you get older, maybe it's your career choice. You don't make enough money. You don't make enough money to be desirable, right? Because everybody wants to have that security. I want to find me a man that's going to be a provider. And when I talk about providing, I mean providing like a 4,000 square foot house, providing a Cadillac for me to drive in, providing a nice Visa debit card or credit card where I can go and swipe whatever I want to, whenever I want to, and get it taken care of. Maybe it's your career choice that keeps you single. But maybe it has nothing to do with the world, you know? We try and shrug that off and we come into the church, right? Because we want to find some encouragement from this place. And then you walk into the church and all the church talks about is how great marriage is. Oh, man, I tell you, marriage is just something else. I, I don't know if there is a more beautiful picture of the gospel than a married couple. I don't know if it gets any better than that. And you're sitting over there and you're, like, you're single and you're like, well, how the crap am I supposed to portray the gospel then? And then it goes further than that, right? Like, they take it to the next level. They're like, man, marriage is, is awesome. That's an awesome picture of the gospel. Let me tell you something. You want to get a better understanding of the love of a father? you got to have kids, man. I'm telling you, when you got kids, it completely changes how you understand the father's love for you. And you're still single, right? 
And you're like, man, I ain't even got the married part right, so I can't even portray the gospel. And now you're telling me I can't understand the love of God because I ain't even close to having kids. Man. So if you're single, things just aren't working out for you. It feels like a lose-lose situation. But that's why when it comes to seeing singleness as a gift, first thing tonight, perspective is everything. Perspective is everything. Go back and look at what Paul says in verse 6. He says, now as a concession, not a command, I say this. I wish that all were as I myself am. But each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. Paul had the right perspective about being single, and he really could speak to being single. Why? Because he was single. Can I give you married people some advice? Stop trying to talk to these single people like you know what they're going through. They don't want to hear it from you. Paul had the right perspective, and he could really speak truth into this situation because he was single. Listen to me, guys. Not everyone will end up getting married. That is okay. And everybody said, not everybody will end up getting married, and that is okay. Because according to verse 7, Paul says he wishes that everybody could experience life as a single with him. He ain't even worried about it. Paul's like, all you married people over here talking about how good of a picture you portray of the gospel and you understand the Father's love because you got kids and all that. He's like, man, I wish y'all could experience this single life that I'm rocking right now. But for most people, it's the other way around. For most people, it's the other way around. They don't want that experience. They don't want to experience life as a single because they have been told or they see life as being a single, as being lonely, unwanted, and unloved. So they don't want that experience. Can I, can I give you guys some encouragement tonight? If you've been struggling with something that somebody has told you in the past weeks or so concerning this very issue, stop letting what people tell you shape your life. Stop letting what people tell you shape your life. There ain't but one voice in my life that gets to shape and form the way I live it, and that's my father's. So stop letting what people tell you shape and form your life. People are dumb. Everybody's got opinions, right? Just like everybody's got armpits. There's always more than one. They usually stink. So stop letting what people tell you shape and form your life. Listen to the one voice that matters, the only voice that can speak truth. But Paul saw singleness differently than most. Paul saw it way differently than most. God had given him a different perspective on what it was like to live a life of singleness. He says that each has his own gift from God. So that tells me this. Paul saw singleness as a gift. He saw it as a gift. Listen, it's important. The way in which you value your gift will often depend on the way in which you view your gift. The way in which you value your gift will often depend on the way in which you view your gift. Let me give you an example of what I mean. If someone gives you cash as a present on your birthday or for Christmas, that may come across as impersonal or lazy or uncaring because those are personal holidays, right? You give me cash for my birthday, I'm not going to refuse it, but at the same time, some of us might think, oh, really? 
I mean, you don't know me any better than that as a personal friend or as a family member that, that you can't find something special that I like or something that you know that I take an interest in to get me a personal gift so you can hand me some cash. And so you don't very much value that gift. But on the other hand, let's say you're driving down the road one day and your transmission goes out in your truck and you know that's going to cost you $2,000 that you don't have and somebody hears about it and they walk up to you and they say, hey, I want to help pay for that blown transmission that you got. Now all of a sudden that cash is a great gift, isn't it? You're like, shoot, yeah, man. Hey, I want to give you a few bucks to help out. That's awesome. Hey, I want to give you a few bucks for your birthday. Really? Would you see the point that I'm getting at? In both instances, money was a gift. But the perspective through which the gift was viewed completely changed the way in which you valued that gift. When you gain the perspective that God gives singleness as a gift, it completely changes the way that you value that lifestyle. When you gain that perspective that God gives it as a gift, it completely changes the way you start to value that lifestyle. One of the main keys to being able to live a life of singleness is contentment. Contentment. So the next thing I want us to talk about is being content with celibacy. Being content with celibacy. Let's get back to the scripture. In verse 8, Paul moves on. He says, To the married and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. Being married has its benefits. But being single has its benefits as well. And seeing the benefits will help you with gaining contentment. Seeing the benefits will help you with gaining contentment. Paul says it is good for them to remain single. Now, those of you that are singing in this room and you're single right now, you're looking at what Paul's saying, and you're like, man, Paul, you tripping, man. It's good to stay single? What? I want to stay single? Because we're trying to be the, the model Christian life, right? And we know that if I stay single, that means I ain't having sex. Sex is only for the covenant of marriage. And so if you are called to a life of being single, you are called to a life of being celibate. And Paul looks back after all this time that he's been single and he says, it's good? You're like, Paul, man. What in the world? How can that be good? How can it be good to go your entire life and not be able to fulfill those desires? But Paul had seen the benefits of being single and celibate. And so he talks about what those are, and you have to skip down to verse 32 in the same chapter to see what he's talking about. So skip down to verse 32 and listen to what he says. He says, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord, but the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any straight upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Paul saw the benefits of living a single lifestyle, and he pulls them out for you to see as well. He says, number one, you don't have any marital responsibilities. No marital responsibility. The second thing he says, you can have complete devotion to the Lord. And the third thing is, why can you have complete devotion? Because you're less distracted. Now, from the married perspective, 
I would have to say that Paul left out a few things. Paul left out a few of the benefits of being single, such as you only have to buy half the food. You only have to do half the laundry. You don't have to share a bed. Or get this, guys, a bathroom. I thought surely to goodness I'd get an amen out of a married guy in here somewhere. You don't have to share a bed or a bathroom. If you want to hunt, if you want to fish, you want to golf, you want to play ball, you want to hang out with your friends, you just go. You don't have to ask anybody. You don't have to call you, your woman or your husband about, hey, do you care if I go do this? You just go and do it. If you want to get up in the morning and be lazy and put on wrinkled clothes to wear for the entire day, you can put on wrinkled clothes and wear them all day long. Ain't nobody going to tell you otherwise. You walking out of the house in that? If you want to buy something, just go buy it. Now, I'm not saying this to hate on my marriage. Paul's not saying this to hate on couples that are married. He's talking about all this stuff. He's like, man, uh, you don't want to be married, dude. You got all these extra anxieties. You're married. You husbands, you got, you talk about anxiety, get a wife. And he's talking to the women. He's like, women, you want some anxiety, get a husband. I'm telling you, you just need to stick with the single stuff. He's not hating on marriage. But what he is trying to show you is what an opportunity it is to live a single life in full devotion to the Lord because remaining single and celibate keeps you completely devoted to the work of his kingdom. You don't have the same responsibilities that a married couple has. Your attention and your focus is not divided by the responsibilities that come with being married. So you can be fully focused and fully devoted on the things that God has called you to do. This opens up so many opportunities for ministry in your life. Do you realize that? Look at Paul's life. Look at the way he lived. He never stayed anywhere more than a few years. Why did he have the freedom to do that? Because he wasn't married. When you make a decision in a marriage, it's not just your decision. It's your decision and your spouse's decision to make. So if God wanted Paul to go somewhere, he said, Paul, man, I need you to go to Macedonia and share the gospel with these people. Paul just picked up and went. He didn't have to go uh, over to his wife's bedroom and knock on the door. And he'd be like, hey, hey honey, hey, I need to talk. we need to talk. I think God wants us to pack up where we've been and go to Macedonia. And then you get to Macedonia, right, and you share the gospel with that person. And then God comes back into his life and says, hey, hey, Paul, I need you to go to Ephesus and minister to some people there. And so he walks over uh, to his wife's room. They just packed up and moved everything, right? And they're finally getting settled in. They got their kids in school somewhere finally. And everything's getting settled down and back normal. He walks over. He knocks on the door. He's like, uh, hey, hey, honey. Hey, we, we need to sit down and have a talk again because I, I, f- I feel like God's uh, taking us to Ephesus. What do you, what do you think about that? Because, you know, that's how it always works in a marriage. Like, you get a word from God, but it also has to be seconded by your wife uh, because you ain't going nowhere without her support. He didn't have to worry about none of that. Why? Because he was single. He could just go. He was fully devoted and open to the things that God was leading him to. That's the benefit of of living a single life. So now when we look back at verse 8 and we see Paul say that it is good for them to remain single, we have a better understanding of why he could say that. Because he had seen all the benefits that came with it. But listen to me, the deal breaker in all this, the deal breaker in being able to live a life of singleness and celibacy is your ability to exercise self-control over your passions and your desires. And so I want us to finish up with the third thing, passion problems. 
and how they pertain to this gift. So look at verse 9. Let me flip back. Verse 9, Paul says, But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. The desire to have sex, guys, is perfectly normal and perfectly right. It's a God-given desire. And as such, it is also perfectly good. Nothing wrong with the desire to have sex. But if you find that you absolutely cannot control that desire, then you need to continue looking for someone to marry. If it is burning a hole within you and you're just like, it's got to happen sooner or later. I can't, I'm sorry, I can't fight it off any longer then by all means continue looking for someone to enter into a marriage relationship with. Maybe God is not calling you to a life of singleness if you can't seem to control the urge that you got inside of you. Paul says better to marry than burn with passion. So if you're burning, just keep looking. But remember this. Being single is a calling. Being single is a calling, just like anything else. We can talk about how I'm called to ministry, or we can talk about how people are called to being single. It's a calling that God places on your life. And if he's calling you into that lifestyle, then listen to me. He will provide you with the ability to control your desires on a higher level than everybody else. Trust me. He will. He will give you the ability to, to control those desires. Listen to what Paul says. Skip back down to verse 36. Same chapter. Run back down to verse 36. Paul says this, If anyone thinks that he is not behaving properly toward his betrothed, if his passions are strong, and it has to be, let him do as he wishes. Let them marry. It is no sin. So Paul says, you burning, man. You can't handle You've tried this single stuff, but it ain't going to work, and you know it ain't going to work. Then by all means, go looking for somebody to marry so that you can have those desires fulfilled within the proper context of marriage. He says, let them marry. Please don't miss that. He doesn't say just run out and fix your urge. He says, let them marry. Verse 37, but whoever is firmly established in his heart, being under no necessity, but having his desire under control and has determined this in his heart to keep her as his betrothed, he will do well. So then he who marries his betrothed does well, and he who refrains from marriage will do even better. If you are firmly established and determined in your heart to follow this calling, Paul says you will do well. Well, God will give you the strength. He will give you the ability to rise above these desires and live out this calling. He'll change your perspective on this. He'll lead you into a life of contentment and give you power over your passions. But listen to me. You will not recognize the full extent of your giftedness that He has placed in you if you refuse to accept the calling that he has placed upon you. God called me to do what I do. He called me to be a pastor. He called me to speak the truth of his word. But listen, I had a choice to refuse that calling. He gave me the giftedness to do it. But I could have chose to refuse the calling that he placed upon me. And if I would have done so, then my gift would have never been realized in its full capability or its full extent. So if God is calling you to a life of singleness and you refuse to accept that calling, then you're going to miss out on the giftedness that he has blessed you with to live it out. He'll still bless your life, but you'll never realize the full extent of what he could have used you for in his kingdom if you would have used that giftedness that he has given you to live out the calling that he had placed upon you. 
And so he may be calling some of you to live a single life. He may very well be doing that. But listen to me, it's not for your punishment. It's for his glory. It's not for your punishment. It's for his glory. Remember what he finished up with. He who refrains from marriage will do even better. Singleness is a gift, guys. It's not a burden. It's not a curse. It's not a punishment. This is a calling that God desires to possibly place on some of your lives so that you can live it out for his glory. Thanks again for listening. We pray that the Spirit has spoken to you through his word. Be sure to keep following each week as we continue learning about God's design for dating and marriage. May God guide your steps as you continue to faithfully serve him.